Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dandy Adana. Alongside me is assistant sports editor Bo Troutman. And we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got a whole basketball uh, stuff to talk about. We've got a lot of high school stuff now that the season is started in full swing for boys and girls. And the Lions announced today that Matt Patricia and GM uh, Bob Quinn will be back with the Lions for another year, uh, despite their 3-10-1 record so far. Um, we will talk quite a bit about that in a little bit, but we're going to start with Hope Basketball. Uh, Bo, you watched the Hope women win on a Kennedy Schoonveld buzzer beater over Albion. Uh, they struggled in the second half, uh, but got it done. Just give me your impressions from that game. How did they do it? What did Albion do so well? And, uh, yeah, I mean, just what made that such an epic game? You know, it was really a unique game this season. Um, you know, Hope had had games where they had, like, a bad quarter or a bad stretch. But they always recovered. And this game was kind of weird because, you know, they played kind of you know, not up to their standard in the first half. And then the third quarter, they go up 36-17. And you'd think that's just going to be one of, another one of those Hope games where, yeah, they look kind of messy, but you know, they ended up winning by 20, or no. Uh, that's not at all what happened. Albion came storming back, and you know, it was 43-42. And you know, really, you know, Albion really had a chance. Or, or 43-43, excuse me. Um, there was a possession before um, Hope hit the buzzer-beating shot by uh, Kennedy Schoonveld. Um, you know, Albion had a play where one of their guards drove toward the basket, but then lost it. She bobbled it, and they called her for a travel. I mean, if that doesn't happen, I mean, it's really you kind of wonder what what happens there. But um, Hope gets the ball with one point one seconds. They drew up a play in the timeout, and uh, man, they really they really did it well. It was Lauren Newman uh, passed it in to Kennedy Schoonveld, who had it on the low block. She turned around, put it in, bada bing. It was just like that. So. Um, you know, I think it was really good to see that you know, they could be tested by a team, especially you know a conference opponent, a team they're going to see again, a familiar opponent, and then to show that you know they're they have grit. It's like, oh, we're not going to blow this team out. Well, we're still going to fight, and uh, you know, no matter how poorly of a game they played, you know, they were on top of it. You know, and and in all the post game press conferences this season, you know, they're winning by you know thirty forty points, and here's Brian Morehouse. Head coach, you know, kind of, well, we didn't do this well. Well, we didn't do this well. But here, you know, this game, he was just happy, like, just to get the win. It's like, you know, we got this one. He's like, yes, there are things, you know, we could have improved. But, um, you know, after that game, they were just really focused on how, you know, they, they got the job done no matter what. So uh, I think it was really interesting. I was kind of wondering when that would happen and how they would respond to it. And they showed again. They're for real. And this team isn't, you know, they're not – just when they're riding high, you know, that's the only time they can be successful. It's like even if they're having a poor game, they show that, you know, they can get the job done. So that was good to see. Yeah, and it's a good thing for them in general just having games like this because there's been so many years where it was like if they weren't playing Calvin, they really weren't tested till the NCAA tournament. And that has moved to Calvin and Trine. And then the last last year, mostly Trine, but Calvin's still good. Um, and it's not 
you know, same thing, trying again, and now it's have Albion back in it. Albion is one of the few teams that's beat Hope on Hope's home floor uh, since they moved into Dovas Fieldhouse. They haven't lost very many games there, and Albion was one of them. I was there for that one. It was pretty stunning. Um, but they, it's good for them to have these kind of games heading into before the tournament, before you get to the postseason, because every Calvin game is going to have emotional and crazy things happen in it, and so it's draining anyway. But it's there's something special about that game. But having a, a post a postseason style game with a different opponent is going to do nothing but help help both teams moving forward. And that's you know a lot of times hope has looked so good all season, uh, and they've beaten everybody in their league pretty handily except for you know one or two opponents and they cruise in it you know like you know a couple times undefeated a couple times one loss you know two losses going into the ncaa tournament and you know they haven't played a close game in months you know and it just it just doesn't do them any good so this is this is going to be good and they will have more close games this year too um but yeah that's that's kind of one of those experience things for especially for the younger group so um, but yeah, to be able to prevail is good. It's going to be definitely really big for them. Um, yeah, now they're in Orlando, and the yep. men's team is too. Yep. We'll have more uh, talks about them in the coming weeks. Um, we did not get sent to Orlando for the coverage uh, for the regular season tournament coverage. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will talk more about them when they get back. Um, we got to have our first full week of high school basketball this week um, where we had boys games and girls games this past week, and um, it was a pretty strong week to start. We talked a little bit about the opening night, boys opening night last week because our podcast was after the boys opener, uh, but the first doubleheader Friday uh, happened this week, and we had uh, Holland Christian uh, swept South Christian, and... Uh, We'll we'll start with that. I mean, that's a huge rivalry game. Um, Bo, you were there for that. Um, both teams, huge opponents for them to be playing. Good tests for them early. You know, lots of things to get them. You know, in midseason form. What did you see? Um, let's start with start with the girls' game. Mm. No, the girls. You know, it was kind of the same. You know, I've covered them a couple times now this season. It's kind of more of the same. Uh, you know, whenever you got Hannah Lurtzma out there for you and just kind of that, that leadership they got, kind of some of the older players, Sarah Snow, um, they look really solid. There's, that's the one takeaway I always have from them is that they're very tight and they're very solid. It's like you you never get like – you know, I've only covered them a few times, but in those few times I just see like, you know, this is the team you're going to see. You know, you're not, you're not going to see like a different team, I don't think, much this season. They're going to bring the same thing that they bring. Uh, under the court every single time, and that starts with her, Hannah Lertzma. I think that her performance kind of drives the team. You know, they have other very talented players, but she's totally the one that kind of you know drives the flow of traffic. She's kind of handling the ball, just you know, kind of the ball kind of goes through her. So I think that you know their performance goes as she goes, and as long as she goes, I think they're going to be all right. So. Right, and a, a factor for them, a characteristic of them over the years, is they don't get flustered. Uh, Hannah Lertzma is obviously one we were talking about. She's a three-sport athlete. She's in the mix of big games all the time, um, and she performs well in all of them. You got Faith Mulder, who's a Division One soccer player. She's not even playing right now, <laughs> and she had a thirty-point game already. Um, and you got a lot of players that know what they're doing and have been in big games, even if it's not necessarily 
the end of a big basketball game. They've been out there at the net in a big volleyball match or on the soccer field or wherever else during a big match. And I think that that experience, they're they're very well uh, mentally prepared in that in that regard, which is going to be good for them. All right, and how about the boys? You got I me, mean, David Cool beating his old team. His alma mater is always a fun one. Um, just what what did you see from them? Uh, a lot. Um, the first three quarters of that game, I was kind of preparing for a loss, and then you know, like they said in the, in the story I wrote, uh, you can see it there online at howlcentral dot com. You know, he said they called a huddle right before the fourth quarter. And like, all right, this is it. It's like. You're either going to do it or you're not, and they did it. Uh, you know, they outscored South Christian fourteen to two. Didn't give up a single field goal um, for the rest of the way, and that's pretty amazing. But they had that turnaround, it all started too with Ethan Alderink, um, some of the other players. But Alderink had six points in the fourth quarter, and uh, really kind of led them to the victory. And you know, it was really big to see it, rival school. It was loud, and there it was really loud. Um, and for them just to come out and have the fourth quarter like they did, I think it was very a very encouraging sign early on. Definitely, definitely. And Alderink is, of course, our returning, our reigning boys basketball player of the year. Um, what did you see about their defense? I mean, you said they they didn't allow a field goal. What was it specifically? Did they were they doing full court pressure or were they? I mean, how were they able to do that? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of it was South Christian missing shots, but it was the fact that Holland Christian wasn't kind of resting on their laurels. It's like okay. This team's missing all their shots, but they just kept coming back. They, you know, they stayed sound defensively. Um, now that I think of that, that two points might have been a field goal. I can't remember if it was free throws or field goal, but anyway, um, they just didn't stop. And no matter what South Christian was doing, there was one play in particular where South Christian kept missing it under the hoop, and then they kept getting the rebound, and then uh, they kept missing, kept missing, and then Helen Christian got the rebound, and then they went down and scored. So it's like, you know, part of it, yeah, was South Christian missing shots, but also it was. Highland Christian was always there, and that you know they, that last possession of the game too. South Christian had the final shot, and they made a critical stop. So um, I think they showed a lot of grit defensively, and a lot of you know for those guys to come up in a pressure moment. It's like okay, we've outscored this team fourteen to two in the fourth quarter, but here we are. You know, they still have a chance to win. <laughs> you know the last possession of the game, no matter what. You know, despite that, they still could win here, uh, and the fact that they stopped them well, was really really pretty big. Yeah, big win for them for sure. Uh, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. Uh, we had some somewhat breaking news happen today where we found out that uh, Lions owner Martha Ford has said that they're going to keep Coach Matt Patricia and GM Bob Quinn, um, at least for next year. Um, at least that's the plan now, uh, barring anything you know crazy. They're 3-10-1. Uh, they're a far cry from the 2-0-1 start. Where things were looking good, it's crazy. Um, yeah. It's just, but what? What are your impressions? I mean, you're you're you live here, so you know you've known about the Lions your whole life, mm-hmm. uh, even though you root for the Raiders, which sounds to me pretty similar, to be honest. Um, Basically, yeah. but what do you? I mean, hearing that news today, what what are your first impressions? Um, well, I'm glad I'm not a Lions fan. <laughs> uh, for Always one. a good first impression. Yeah. No. Um, it's just sad, honestly. Um, I think that I don't like that the forwards are still running that team, I would say. I think that's a downside. Um, it's just a weird situation. I mean, I mean you, know, you mentioned earlier today, it's like they fired Jim Caldwell through that 9-7 and seven season. But it's like, how do you even gauge where they're at? I mean, it just 
it's so hard. Okay, you have Matt Patricia, who is a big name just because of his tenure with the Patriots. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even. You look in the future. There's just there's no forecast. There's just nothing. I mean, no. I don't know. It's like with yeah. Stafford. It's really I don't strange. Know. It's really strange. I mean, they they fired Jim Caldwell after a nine and seven season when they went to the playoffs and lost. There was that really awful pass interference call uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, that really or no call, right? Wasn't it a no? It was should have been passing something like that. Yeah. And it was at the critical moment of the game, which was unfortunate. Um, but they're they thought that team underachieved, so they got rid of Caldwell, who's been basically the only calming presence on the Lions sideline since Wayne Fonts. And that wasn't the always calming, but he was, you know, um, that's that's kind of ridiculous. If you think about it, so then you start a whole new system, and again a rebuild. And what do you expect? Mm-hmm. Now they were six and ten last year; they're worse this year. But Stafford's missed half the year, mm-hmm. so that comes into play quite a bit. You can't really expect to win without that. And they got what fourteen or sixteen players on injured reserve. That happens. You're going to football teams have seasons like this where yeah. that happens. Is it Patricia's fault? The injuries certainly aren't his fault. Um, but at the same time, they they started the season 2-0-1, and then they lost really close games, two really close games to two really good teams. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, well, this is still encouraging. And then they lionsed out and you know just <laughs> free fell from there. But they were a couple plays away from being better than they were last year, at least. Last year they were 6-10. and They still... Until the, all the injuries happened, until Stafford went out, you still thought they could be six and ten. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, yeah. that wasn't a. Um, not that that's anything to brag about. Said like, that's for the bar is. Yeah. Right, but the, I mean, if you're judging him on being better than last year, I think at the beginning of this year they showed that they were better. It just didn't last because of a ton of reasons, um, and I also am not. I'm not a fan of uh, NFL coach unless something really crazy happens. I'm not a fan of pro coaches being let go after two, one or two years because they don't really have a chance to dig in. And I don't think he's gotten his fair shake to dig in. No. Um, and that's, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the team went 9-7. Went and seven. They only got like four or five players left from that team. That was only a couple years ago. It was two years ago. Five out of however many are around the 40, 50 yeah. are on the roster. That's ridiculous. And then to expect them to be better – I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I don't know if the. I don't know what the. I think. I think firing Caldwell was clearly the wrong choice. I agree with that. Yeah. They've also made a lot of really bad hires. Mm-hmm. When Matt Millen was the GM, obviously. Oh God. Yeah. Rod Marinelli, great coordinator, horrible head coach. Dick Geron, great coordinator, horrible head coach. Jim Schwartz, great defensive coordinator. Okay, head coach, mm-hmm. but a little too in the face, in your face, kind yeah. of a style for the way the yeah, lines have been. Jim Harbaugh handshake is something I'll never forget. Right, from his and, yeah. and then you've got uh, Marty Morningweg in there, and like I, growing up, you know, the whole thing was every every other week. You know, the sports radio guys when I was a kid, the segments that we, they were talking about was like. 
Wayne Fonts is an idiot. Wayne Fonts is an idiot. And then the next week they'll win. Wayne Fonts is a genius. Wayne Fonts is a genius. And he lasted a ton of years and they won a lot of playoff games with him. They had some great years and had some horrible years, but they stuck with him and you got the best out of those teams, um, or at least the best out of that group, a, a better amount of the years as a whole than each individual year, if that makes sense. But you, you're not giving anybody a chance to do that now. Um, nobody's been head coach more than what, two, three years at, at the most. And it's just three, maybe three years. It's just, there's been no continuity. You know, it's, just, it's almost the same thing with Harbaugh. You know, they went through the Rich Rod and then the Hoke and everything. And you're like, well, well, what would you do? Well, you want to go through that again now? Like, you really don't. And the Lions really don't. I don't think, I don't think Matt Patricia is a great head coach. But I still don't really think we know if he's a good head coach. I don't think we know. No, there's no way uh, to tell, really. The Lions, you can't judge it based on <laughs> this year with all the injuries, especially. And last year was his first year as a head coach, period. Yeah. There's got to be a little bit of a learning curve allotted to that. So I think next year is going to be the year we really see, assuming Stafford's healthy, we're going to see really what kind of a coach he is. So I think he gets that. Now, on the complete flip side... Bob Quinn's been the GM for five years, and he's taken that 9-7 and seven looking like maybe this team can win with Stafford and Golden Tate and all these guys. And now they only have, from when he started f- four years ago, in, tw- in 2016, that's like three and a half years ago is really when he started as the GM. They only have five players left on the roster. The kicker, the long snapper, Stafford, Slay, and Sam Martin. That's not Prater and Muhlenbach, if you guys were really struggling to figure out who the kicker was and the uh, and the long snapper. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but how can you, like, when your team seems like it's on the rise and then they underachieve and then the bottom just drops out by gutting the team over the next two years, like, how do you expect, like, that team was two moves away from being a legitimate contending kind of an NFC team. And you, because you felt like they underachieved, they handled it completely wrong, and then and let go of Caldwell. Mm-hmm. It's just, it that's madness to me. That was yeah. madness at that point. And then, and as you're a fan, what are you going to do? Hey, they almost made it, but they underachieved. So now we're going to start all over. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. And that's so. That's what would happen again. But they're not almost there now. You know, we don't. Ha- this is not a team that's got Stafford. I mean, it's got Stafford, but not a healthy Stafford. And mm-hmm. Slay. That's it. There's no Golden Tate. There's, I mean, they got great receivers, don't get me wrong. But somebody's got to get the ball to them. There, there, there's, nobody, there's nobody right home about on the line. There's no Nadamakin Sue or Nick Fairley or whatever, you know, the uh, Ziggy Ansa. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no pass rush. There's no. I mean, Slay's really good, don't get me wrong. Slay is really good. But there's, otherwise, there's just not much. There, so now they're going to start next year unless they make some major moves with another mediocre roster, and you're going to expect him to do better than six and ten, even from last year, which is probably where they would end up being close to with if the the injuries were not there. Six and ten, seven and nine, something like that. Mm. Maybe I mean maybe five and eleven too. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But like to expect to then to have this like right? Isn't the definition of of craziness? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah, I mean, like the, exactly. you're gonna put a me- give him a mediocre team. Mm-hmm. He's good. 
going to put together a mediocre product unless something crazy happens. And to this year, he had a mediocre product, but something crazy happened. There were so many injuries. You can't blame him for that. And you can't, you, I, I really feel like you can't blame him for the mediocre product. Yeah. If anybody should be on the hot seat, it should be Quinn. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not. I mean, it was. It went from Matt Millen. Oh my gosh, arguably the worst GM ever. Which is really sad because if you watch him as a commentator and you just knew him as like as a player back in his playing days, he's so knowledgeable. He is one of the best announcers there is. He is yeah. one of. The, I always thought he was one of the best color commentators and i was like oh maybe all this knowledge will go to the gym and then wow no, no. Uh, <laughs> then they had martin mayhew who was better than millen mm-hmm. you would be better than millen yeah. like so th- i don't really know how to judge that and now they've got quinn and it just they ended up with some decent players all at once and they turned it into a nine and seven season maybe they underachieved maybe they didn't maybe they should have had it that should be sandwiching two good years, but the management deep sixed the second chant part of that sandwich. So, yeah. I mean, how can you? It's one thing to get talent, develop it, you know, and everything like that, but how can you not do something when you have some talent? Yeah. No, it's like, and to be honest, I think part of the problem is, and I don't know, I, I think people are pretty split on this issue, though. I think the Matt Stafford, um, if I'm a Lions fan, honestly, the solution I would want is just hit the reset button. I know that you know, it's kind of counterintuitive to like what we've been saying the past couple of minutes, but honestly, I think well, we're that, that to that point now. Yeah, it's like you know if we shouldn't have been at that point with Caldwell, as right? Because well. I mean, you look at next year, it still looks pretty bleak, and I think you know if Stafford was going to do it, I mean, I think it would have been done by now. He had Calvin Johnson. All these different players, and it's always just been like every year's excuses, every single year. You know, and I'm not saying it's all his fault, but like, no, sometimes they don't have a defense. Yeah, but still. So, I don't know. I'm almost at the point where it's like, you know, just sell everything. Well, they get a top. They're going to get a top five pick. Maybe pick a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So there's going to be a lot of good ones in the draft yeah, this year. Don't pick another tight end. <laughs> I would say, yeah, or receiver. Yeah. So, so yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, that's for sure. But as of now, Matt Patricia's sticking around and Bob Quinn's sticking around. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I would expect nothing uh, – without a drastic move, I'd expect nothing more than another mediocre season for them where their best they're looking at is 7-9 and nine, unless they do something different. And I'm not saying they should get rid of Patricia. I'm not saying that. But unless they make some good moves and some good draft picks, that's not – I don't think they're getting any better than that, unfortunately. But that's kind of how the Lions are every seemingly every year. Yeah, it's just become the norm. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. So, something my dad always says: uh, same old Lions. Yeah, same old <laughs> every Lions. Sunday. Same true. old Lions. Same old Lions. Yeah, nothing surprises me anymore. But uh, we'll we will see what happens with them the rest of the way and with the basketball and uh, the holiday season. We'll be back to recap plenty of that. Have great holidays everybody enjoy yourselves get out and see some sports and we will be back after the holidays
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.